Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about player expectations. Today we're talking once again to Joseph Stilwell. How's it hey, going, Joe? Good, how are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. Um, just spent a bunch of time playing Twilight Imperium with some friends. That game is complicated. Yes. That's yes. that's what I hear. That's, that's yeah, it's like you said, more complicated access and allies. Yes. Is what... In space! <laughs> In space with ships and stuff. But that's not what we're talking about today. Just... Putting that out there because if it sounds like I'm tired, kind of am. <laughs> so tell us, what do you mean when you talk about player expectations? Like, well, give us a definition. Essentially, um, like no matter what you do, whether it's a new player coming to your table or an old veteran person who's been playing since like AD&D days, they're going to have sort of um, expectations or assumptions is another way to put it about like what D&D is, um, what they're sort of expect what's sort of expected of a player versus a dm and uh what kind of things that they can or can't do uh based on those based on various things like you know some people their only encounter with D is from media like watching a tv show or like hearing jokes about it and stuff like that and that's going to affect the way they think that they're going to play the game or maybe other people that they've heard but essentially it's like um both conscious and conscious things that that they already think are going to happen in the game, whether or not they're true. And they can be true or false, good or bad. They're not necessarily one way or the other. It's just people will come to the table not not just being like a total blank slate and sort of just will be like, oh, well, you know, like when we start, like, for example, most of the time people assume that the world, the campaign setting is sort of left up to the DM, right? Like it's not something that the players would necessarily like be like, Oh, well, this is the way elves work in this world. But you can do that if you so choose. Like, I, I do that in my game to a certain extent. Like, if a player gives me a backstory and they sort of create part of the world where they're from, I'll often turn to them at the table and be like, okay, when that comes up at the game, it's like, well, what what is that like? And, like, some players don't expect the DM to give them that. So that would be one. Or another would be uh, looting bodies. Like, in some games, that's a perfectly normal thing to do, and it happens in video games a lot. So a lot of people that come from sort of a video game background or a classic D&D background will be fine with just, oh, I'm going to check the body for gold or whatever. And some DMs will be like, oh, yeah, there's like 30 gold on the body. They've got a purse or there's like a nice masterwork dagger. Where it's like, for me, my games, I'm more like, I don't want people to be looting the bodies. I think like... For me, it's more of a verisimilitude thing is like people don't do that in real life or in like even in fantasy settings that can be sort of seen as taboo or whatever. So either there's like a consequence, like if you loot the bodies in front of other people, I might have someone be like, what are you doing? Like, that's so disgusting. Or I'll just be like, oh, well, there's nothing on them. And that then the play after a while, the players will sort of realize, oh, hey, like that's not an expectation or assumption in this game. Yeah, I think there's just thinking about this, it seems like there's kind of three different kinds of assumptions. There's the assumption that it's like somebody who has never played a role-playing game, like whether it's a video game or a tabletop role-playing game, somebody who's only experienced with D&D has been like, uh, you know, hearing about the satanic panic and reading about it in newspapers or 
seeing a show like Community, which has a very light touch on like, oh, this is what D&D might be yeah. like, versus somebody who's seen Critical Role, who has a pretty good idea of what to expect. So there's those kind of people who have never played. There's the people who have played video games, so they kind of have an idea of what role-playing is. Like, oh, I get to choose what my character does. And then, like you said, that there's the people who have been playing already, but they have expectations and assumptions about how the game should work because that's how they've played at the table before. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's partly some of those things are just written into the rules. Like everybody comes in with the expectation like, oh, when I want to attack somebody, I'm going to roll a d20 first. Like anybody who's played the game before knows that. And that's sort of an expectation that when you're playing D&D, of course, that's a normal expectation. But then there are other things like a DM might have a house rule about botches or crits that isn't at every table and the players may not be expecting that or the the dm may have specific rules about like weapons or whatever when it comes to attacking uh or the dm may have rules about movement in combat or just other things like that like that are built into the rules or the rules don't necessarily codify in a hard sense but in a soft sense yeah so like that kind of thing so today we'll be talking a bit about those and like kind of how to use those expectations or dissuade people of those expectations and stuff going into a game yeah i think it's a thing like the dm really has to think about it more than the players to a certain extent like they have to be aware it's good to be aware of those things and those concepts and say okay here are some things i really don't want in my game so i'm gonna push against those however they show up but you want to do it in a way that doesn't make the players feel like singled out or punished either like i think that's really important and you can talk about it before the game or you can sort of like every dm teaches the players how to play their game right like that's kind of the way it works is like the more you play with a dm or a player the more you'll learn sort of what their assumptions are and the more you can sort of use those assumptions to or push against those assumptions to make the game better for everybody yeah i think there are there's a whole Probably a fairly large set of assumptions, um, probably mostly around that deal with people who have never played or people who are coming from other tables, like all three sets, actually, Whoops. people coming from any of the three sets where as long as you're doing a session zero, you can get a lot of this stuff. Hopefully, as long as you've got players who are attentive and on board with the way that you want to run your game, you can address a, a ton of expectations and assumptions uh, head on right in that session zero like oh this is how we're going to do crits this is how we're going right. to do this these are the home rules that i run with blah 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 blah. and if there's pushback or anything you can all address that there in the session zero so that later on if something comes up you don't have to like rehash this whole discussion you can just say look we had a session zero we talked about this we agreed on it if you want to argue about this let's do it after the game but i think there are some assumptions that don't come up in a session zero because they're the assumptions that people don't realize they have about yeah, the game. Yeah, I think unconscious assumptions are a big part of that is like they're very subtle ones too. They can be sort of like how much is this group into having humor at the table or like breaking character and making jokes or you know how much is this a performance game versus like more of a crunch game or whatever like things like that and things that like you may not have a full, you may not, like everyone sort of comes with their own assumption and the way it works is you sort of work it out while playing too in a lot of ways. And I think you can totally do that without thinking about it. And a, a group that's sort of where everyone is 
attentive to the social dynamic will fall into that rhythm. But if the DM is sort of aware of those things and and watching for the, the signs of these unconscious things that people don't think about, it can really make it easier on the players and the DM to sort of address it in the way that they need to, especially if things start breaking down and you feel like two players are sort of like clashing without necessarily consciously realizing they're clashing either too, or that you and a player are clashing. And like, I do think it is largely the DMs, like it's everybody's responsibility at the table, but especially when it comes to sort of like, I do believe that the DM has a larger responsibility to sort of make sure that the group is gelling and cohesive and not necessarily to be the arbiter of how to do that, but sort to sort of say, okay, guys, we have an issue here. We have to deal with it. Or like, here's what's going on or just, you know, like address it in a way that doesn't call anybody out, but sort of brings the group together as a whole. So there's two kinds of assumptions that I, one is one that I've just thought of. One is one that I've dealt with in the past and I'm kind of curious to see how, how you guys, like, we could just kind of talk through these assumptions and how we would deal with them at the table. The first one is, for example, say there's somebody who, in the session zero, they behave normally, and they're talking, they're chatting, they're laughing, you know, having a good time, and then come session one, they're suddenly a method actor. They are in character 100% of the time, and it's off-putting to some of the players, Maybe their character is somebody who's not fun to be around and it's bringing the table down. That's one more, like, kind of a behavior. Both of these are behavioral assumptions about, like, the person, what they bring to the table, how they expect it's going to run. So that's the first one. The second one is somebody who, this is one I've dealt with, is somebody who comes to the table and treats it like a video game where they're playing the game as if everybody, not just the NPCs, but the other people at the table are computer-controlled characters that they can push around, that they can tell them what to do. They assume that they are the person in control when there's, you know, four or five other people. So let's dive into the first one. Sure. Somebody who, uh, you know, sits down session one after I've been, you know, in session zero, they were fun, laughing, you know, fun to be around. Session one sits down. They're suddenly a ale-swilling, tobacco-chewing, spitting horrible mess to be around because they're in character, they're method acting for whatever reason. How do you think you deal with something like that? Somebody who's night and day difference between who they were in session zero and how they're acting once the game actually starts? Well, I mean, I think a big part of that is like, did they like, did they, if they didn't say it in session zero at all, I think that's a big like thing. Like, Hey, like even just saying like, Hey, we would have really appreciated a heads up on this kind of thing. Like the rest of the, and you can even just say to them, like, I think, I think if it becomes a point where it's, it's putting the other players off of playing the game, I would think in my opinion that you should address that out of the game. Like it's not, it's not a thing that like someone that, that, that is bordering on a problem player. It's, it's a problem that they don't realize maybe necessarily. And it's, it's something that's not a player being deliberately malicious necessarily it yeah. can be and i've seen that happen and that is like the grossest thing and i do i think if it's deliberate to antagonize other people you they, have to like be like go. hey that's that's not cool like i know what you're doing but if it is just like honestly like someone who is really into it and really wants to play this aggressively difficult character i mean that to, that that can be fun for me in the right group if I have a group that wants to do that. 
but it is a very like strong choice and if it if, if it's putting everyone else off it is something you need to address so that's a good assumption like i think like again like that goes sort of to the, the i think in the session zero you can you can kind of bring that up but again it may not come up so then for me i think just addressing it either stopping the session saying hey guys five minute break look man like either pulling that player aside or whatever and making them aware that like hey what you're doing is sort of a little too aggressive and it's i think it's putting the other players off uh i get that you really like it dial it back but i mean i don't know if you guys agree with that i think it's re i think it's not only uh perfectly appropriate but i think it's often necessary to ask players to tone it down Sometimes their character is like, you know, maybe they're playing the token evil party member and they're just they're just being a little too evil. And I think it's okay to be like, hey, look, your character's fine. I just need you to tone it down a bit. And like if they're not comfortable with that, maybe suggest rolling up a new character or whatever. But like I think as DMs, you have to be on top of that, especially if it's putting other players off. If it's a thing that like just kinda irritates you, I think you should still talk to them, but maybe not be as like assertive about it. But I also think, like you were saying, you can really easily make that part of your session zero by just bringing up what the expectations for roleplay are and ask everybody. And if so, if, if this person in the example is like, oh, you know, I'll just roleplay a bit and comes in full force, I think that's the point where you pull them aside and you're like, hey, man, like, what's going on? Because you said one thing and now you're doing another and it's, you know, it's making people uncomfortable. You have to, you have to address it. Yeah, I think... My thinking behind this one was kind of that, like, this is something that can come from almost anybody. Like, you tell somebody that, like, a new player, somebody who's never played before, that they can come in and be whoever they want. Who they come in and be might not be super fun to be around because they don't realize, like, oh, this isn't an acting exercise where you're trying to play a character faithfully. You're trying to have fun with people. Yeah. I think that really gets to a very a very strong assumption. Like, even when people realize that, Oh, D&D isn't a board game. It's not a video game. Like, it is very much um, an exercise in in sort of narrative, character, and role-playing in the sense of, like, putting yourself in other people's shoes. And I think what people don't realize is part of role-playing is putting yourself in the other role-player's shoes, too. Like, and someone may not realize that, or they may think that the other players are into are going to be into that. And that is a very good unconscious assumption and i agree with you jesse i think that's something that can be brought up yeah. but i think that's what i'm talking about too is like DD is such a like role-playing games are such a huge expansive thing and that's part of their what's great about them is you can you can do almost anything in a way that a board game or a video game can't or even a story like that you're writing yourself can't but i think I don't think you can ever address all the assumptions, especially unconscious ones in session zero. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's good to say like, hey man, like, listen, I think you came in thinking this was going to be like a, a character class. That's great. I think you're coming on a little strong. I, it's not that I don't want you to role play, but you're just, your, your expectation of that is sort of too high. And maybe with time, the other players can be brought in, or maybe you could make the character a little less difficult and a little more fun to be around. And uh, that might work too, right? I yeah. think. Well, because like the other thing, like the things that are good about players like that sometimes is that they really draw the they can really draw the role play out of other characters, players. But sometimes they are also just intimidating. And then you know you have the player who really wants to be engaged, but is kind of sitting off quietly to the side and not getting too involved, right? It's it's yeah. a balancing act. And that's the other thing too. As the DM, you should be watching your other players. 
And you'll be able to tell when someone's expectation is sort of just like very suddenly broken or shattered or like affronted, right? Like you can, because they, that's usually for most people, especially player, people who haven't played with a group or haven't played at all a lot. Like if they're uncomfortable, the first thing they'll do when their expectation or assumption is, is denied is they will sort of pull back. And that's something you should be watching for is like, is this person pulling back right now? And it's hard, it's hard to tell at first, but I think you get a feel for it the more you DM. Like, is this person pulling back because they feel like they're not in the moment or they are just bored or whatever or a perfectly normal? Or are they sort of like withdrawing because they're uncomfortable or sort of like just even shocked by whatever is going on, right? Like, I think that's a big thing. Yeah. So that one is a little an assumption that's easier to kind of see because it's something that you know somebody comes in session one they had a, an assumption that you know we're all going to be role-playing super hard but the second scenario somebody who's treating it like a video game it's one that i've had experience with and, and in my experience it's the more insidious one it's the one that usually takes a little bit longer to for you to really realize like oh this is what's going on they're treating like this like a video game. They're trying to press other people's buttons because they're they think they're playing with a controller and not you know with pen and paper. Yeah, they're failing to treat their player their fellow players with any sort of compassion. Yeah, yeah. And basically, like the 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 long story short, what had happened in the first one of the first games that I ran with the D and D five e beginners box set was that. Uh, by the time we got to the the final dungeon, the Wave Echo Caverns or something like that, this player was like they had encountered a goblin and had kind of hired him on as a pack mule, basically. And this goblin ended up dying during one of the combats. And this other the 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 player who was treating it like a video game started demanding that the cleric in the party used a scroll of. Um, Resurrection or is it's one of the the cleric spells that can bring somebody back to life if they've died within a minute. Oh, yeah. revivify, revivify. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And they spent like a good ten minutes out of character, like trying to badger the cleric into reviving using this spell scroll to revive this basically joke character. Oh, that's so long. And they were yeah back and forth like for. I might be probably exaggerating. It was probably only like just a couple. Well, it of probably felt like that to you because you were sort of stuck in the middle, right? Yeah, and it so. eventually it eventually got to the point where I just said, "A minute has passed. Revivify will no longer work." Because I felt I had to step in because not only was the player who controlled the cleric getting angry, everybody else was super uncomfortable. Yeah. And this is one of those like people treating it like a video game. Like that's my feeling of where it usually ends up is that the player eventually gets to a point where they are just badgering the other players because they think they're in con- like 100% control of everything that should be happening. And I'm just curious if either of you have had experience with players like that and did you see it coming and and or even heard of other players like this and how do you think you can deal with these kind of players? I think it depends. I think um I, I've definitely had players who do like the, the loot the bodies thing is very common because it's so common in every, especially fantasy role playing video game that right. when you kill a monster, you get stuff. And it's not, it's not, it's a little bit based in reality. Like if you're fighting things that are fighting you back, they're going to have weapons, they're going to have armor and other adventurers that you might fight or monsters that you might fight will be collecting treasure. So it's not totally unreasonable to think that. 
Yeah, well, and it, it's like very much a part of the game's history. Uh, from my understanding, a right. lot of the really old school games have a lot of that in it because those were more dungeon crawl focused. Right. Than RPG well, focused. and even like if you, I don't. This is kind of a digression, but if you get into the history of D and D, the original D and D, the way Gygax and sort of the people and Dave Arneson, the people that built it, it seemed to be much more of a like you have a character and you go from dungeon to dungeon that people have built. And it was, it wasn't video gamey, but it was a bit more like you did deliberately have to think in that tactical sense. And I think there's nothing wrong with playing that way, but I think like D and D has sort of pushed away from that because video games can provide that experience so much easier. Um, but to get back to what you're saying, I think it depends on how far it goes too. like, that was so extreme. Like, again, like it depends on the extremity. When you have an extreme case like that, I would talk to the player. But if they're more just sort of doing video gamey things that wouldn't really make sense in real life, you can sort of like push that in game. Like if they're looting bodies, you can have a, an NPC be like, what are you doing? Like that's a person and they just died. We have to give them their last rights because that's appropriate. That's what you do. Or because... Oh, in this world, if we don't give them their last rights, they'll come back as an undead or something, right? One thing that I've done in uh, the homebrew campaign I'm running right now is it never made sense to me that like goblins and goblinoid creatures like hobgoblins and whatnot would have any kind of gold. So the first goblin tribe that they came across and was attacked them, the whole thing... The goblins had, like, wooden tokens. They didn't have gold. They didn't oh, use, nice. you know, human races or, or dwarf race or elf race currency. They just had their own little wooden tokens that nobody's going to take. So the players are like, oh, okay, so we don't loot goblins now. That's good. I think, too, like, if it gets beyond that, like, especially, like, when it gets to the point where treating NPCs like they're sort of, like, quest dispensers or even just like, oh, we got to talk to this guy to activate the thing, right? Like, you can sort of see that coming, and it's... That is an exercise in largely having the NPC be like, stop talking to me that way. Like, I'm a human being. Like, I think a lot of DMs are almost afraid, especially when they first start, to sort of have the the NPCs, like, call out the players. Because people aren't come, aren't going to be perfect at speaking in character. And you want to, like, allow for that and make sure that, like, when they're trying to be diplomatic, that even if they slip up a little, whatever. But if it does feel like the 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 player is really just sort of, like cavalier and treating npcs like robots you can have them sort of call that out and be like that's inappropriate don't talk to me that way i'm a human being or i'm i'm an orcish being or whatever right like i think those are that's again a way like but it's all it's very much about like understanding what the underlying expectation or assumption is and calibrating an appropriate response which takes time and you know experience and stuff like that but again it depends sort of on the the uh the the severity of it yeah. i guess well the interesting thing about it too is like those kinds of expectations are really difficult to talk about in a session zero absolutely like there is because it very come it comes down very much to dm style right like i've played in games where that's the expectation mm -hmm. like the ro role play is mostly there like and we were talking about in the old school games to get you from dungeon to dungeon or adventure to adventure right but like if you're running a game where the npcs are more complex than that that sounds like, especially the pushback one. I really yeah. like that idea, and I think I might start using it. When I, I think run it's into it's that. good, and it's like it makes sense, and it tells, and it teaches. Again, going back to the thing of you teaching the players how to play your game, it teaches the players. Oh, Jesse or Sean, like they're as a DM, they are reacting to what I'm doing. They're not just they're not just like okay, the players did this and they did this because that's sort of a a, a video game assumption a DM can make is like 
oh, they've got to hit this thing to do, activate this thing to do this thing. If it's more like a, a back and forth and they feel like you're reacting to everything they do, yeah. they'll feel more comfortable going off the beaten path. Like, I think I remember playing with a bunch of players that at one point they just like, they were doing, they were, it was sort of a pre-made campaign, but I was, I was at that point very comfortable with riffing and going off. And I had kind of said that, but I don't think they realized what I meant because at one point, they were sort of stuck and they were like, Hey, well, what's our next thing? What do we do next? And they meant it in a way of like, well, what's the next, like get like, what's I'm pressing, I'm pressing the, the hint button on the menu. Right. Like, and it was like, well, you guys can do what you want. And when they were like, but I thought you had this thing whole prepared. I'm like, but I was, and then I had to stop and be like, guys, like,